The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome Disability Law Show. Once again, John Scholes here along with disability lawyer Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner and partner Albert Klein as well. Both of these gentlemen here to answer your calls anytime you want to reach out and contact them. The most positively reviewed disability law firm in Canada. I'm not just saying that. You can search it and you'll uh, you'll find it to be true. Uh, get in contact. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disability rights. That's the email address. We'll try to get to a few of those on the show today, fellas. But uh, but take it away, Savan. What's uh, what's going on, pal? Hey, John. Great to be here and great to have Albert uh, here. Both he and I uh, deal with long-term disability claims in Ontario, BC, and Alberta. And uh, we help individuals uh, understand what their rights are under their LTD policies. And when they have issues with their insurance companies, maybe they're denied, maybe they are cut off LTD, or the insurance company is harassing them or bullying them, we answer questions uh, for those individuals. We help them, we guide them, and when need be, we represent them. And we go after these insurance companies. And and you know, John, we get the same kinds of questions sent to us, um, whether it's by email or on the website, mydisabilityquestions.com, or, or by phone. People leave us messages and we talk to them about a lot of the same kinds of issues. And some of these issues are what do I do if the insurance company asks me to apply for CPP disability? Uh, how do I deal with a difficult adjuster? If the insurance company wants me to go and see their own doctor for an IME, which is a short form for independent medical assessment or examination, do I have to go? If the insurance company is forcing me to go back to work, do I have to do it if I'm not ready? All these kinds of things. And so what we've done is we've created these short FAQ, uh, frequently asked question memorandums that are free. They're on our website. And uh, we also send it out to people. So if you reach out to me or to Albert or to any, any member of our team uh, with specific questions about those topics, we can send those memos to you. Uh, they're only two or three pages long, but they answer the most frequently asked questions about any of these topics. So feel free to reach out to us. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that you get those and we'll answer any questions you have for free. Now, let me jump right into it, John. I got an email earlier this week from a gentleman here, and uh, I'm not going to read the entire email because he, he mentions names and there's some expletives, uh, but, but I think it's important to go over this gentleman's experience. So he starts off by saying, my name is, and then he gives his name, he says, I, sh- I saw your show on TV, of course he's referring to our TV disability show, mm-hmm. and he says, my situation is complicated. I'm on CPP disability, and uh, I'm also dealing with long-term disability, and I have a lawyer, and he gives me the lawyer's name, and I'm familiar with who that lawyer is, and Albert is as well. Uh, And this person goes on to say, he's not a good lawyer, despite the fact that it's his lawyer. He's not a good lawyer. He has never explained to me the process for my legal claim, and I feel like I've been, and he uses an expletive, over by this guy. He says, I don't want to deal with him anymore. I live in Kitchener, Ontario, and I need professional help to help me receive the proper information and compensation that I am entitled to. If you could help me, I would be so appreciative and gives me his phone number. He says, my mediation came. My lawyer never gave me any information about it, never explained anything to me. Uh, We just showed up and they started exchanging numbers with the other side. And I felt that I was being ripped off. 
with how he started with with the negotiation itself. And at the end of the mediation, he says uh, it, it did not resolve. The case did not resolve. And this really bothers me, John. He says, my lawyer threatened me with bankruptcy. What? Yeah. And, and then he goes on and on and he talks about other things. So, you know, every so often I read out these kinds of emails or I tell you and the audience that's listening uh, about these horrible experiences that people have had with lawyers out there. And by the way, it's not just disability lawyers. You can have that with a family law lawyer, a criminal lawyer, any kinds of lawyers. And not just lawyers. You can have it with doctors. You can have it with contractors, right? People are people. But what's concerning to me here is that this lawyer uh, that I am familiar with, apparently, according to this gentleman who's emailed me here, uh, has done things and has treated this person not only with disrespect and, to me, it seems like contempt, but he's actually threatening this person. If it's true that this lawyer actually threatened this gentleman, his own client, with bankruptcy, presumably what the lawyer said is, if you will not accept so-and-so, nothing will happen and you're going to go bankrupt. Presumably that's what happened here. But to me, that's bullying behavior by the lawyer towards their own client. I can't even imagine and think about how many ethical violations there are here, let alone law society violations and, and every other kinds of, of issues that arise from this kind of behavior. And I want to circle back to something we've been talking about uh, in on other shows, John, about the fact that when you hire a lawyer, especially when you're dealing with an insurance company, you are hiring, in effect, a soldier, right? You're off, you're, 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 it's somebody to protect you. It's somebody to go out and fight your battle here with the insurance company because these insurance companies are very well stocked with lawyers. They have a lot of money. They know what they're doing. They're professional entities. And if you don't get the right lawyer or the right law firm on your side, you're going to end up doing battles, not only with the insurance company, but with your, with your own lawyer. And chances are you're going to give up or you're going to go, you're going to walk away from money that is owed to you, but you can't get, you know, you can't get at, you can't get your hands on. So, you know, what do you do with a situation like this? Well, first of all, you want to avoid being in that situation. You have to do your homework when it comes to choosing a lawyer. And again, it's not just in disability law. It's any kind of law, family law, criminal law, real estate law. You want to make sure you go to someone who's responsive, someone who has a proven track record. I mean, look at Google reviews, uh, look at what they have on their website. Does it look professional? Does it seem like the lawyers have a lot of experience in this field? Google them, right? See if they've been involved in any interesting cases, things like that. I mean, it's the same kind of thing that I would do if I was looking for any professional, whether it's an accountant or a dentist or an engineer, I would do a little bit of research. Now with the internet, it's not that difficult. But you want to make sure that you get the right lawyer and the right law firm. And, and you know, frankly, I'm very proud of what we've built here. I'm very proud of my partner, Albert. I'm very, you know, proud of other, other lawyers at our firm. At in, in fact, our, our, our whole staff. Uh, we've dedicated our professional careers to helping people who are fighting insurance companies. And many of us lawyers, including myself and Albert, have worked for insurance companies in the past, in the distant past. So you want to make sure you get the right lawyer. If you hired someone and you're having difficulties with them, I don't advocate simply jumping ship immediately. What I think you should do is you should have a conversation with your lawyer. You should have, you know, you should outline your expectations. Your lawyer is working for you. You hired that lawyer. That lawyer is not doing you any favors. So you have to make sure that you understand that that lawyer works for you. That lawyer cannot treat you with disrespect. Certainly that lawyer cannot threaten you. 
Uh, and if that lawyer is being unresponsive or doesn't explain the process the way this person here talks about that, you really need to make sure that uh, you declare your expectations. And if the lawyer is not responding, at that point you consider leaving. But again, you have to understand what's involved in leaving a lawyer and, and jumping ship and going to another firm. And we've taken on many cases that other lawyers have handled. But there's been many cases, uh, Albert can talk about that intelligently because he, he deals with a lot of these when people come to him and say, listen, can you please salvage my case? You know, the lawyer I'm with or the law firm I'm with is not doing uh, a good job. They're not explaining things to me. And in many cases, we don't end up, we cannot take those cases on because too much damage has been done by previous lawyers. So again, you, have to, you, you want to make sure you choose the right person, the right law, uh, lawyer, the right law firm from the start, or it's, it's going to be very, very messy down the road. Albert, you, you, you must have seen this. In fact, I think I talked to you even yesterday about uh, a situation. Not that I, I'm asking you to divulge anything about that particular case, but it, it's very frustrating, right, to deal with these individuals who are calling us and are seeking help because the lawyers they've gone to have just made a mess of their claims. I mean, I mean, yeah, it uh, it can be just it can be a little difficult because sometimes either they've they've gone too far down the process, uh, they've done things that we wouldn't do, they've managed the file or built it up in a way that we wouldn't build it up, and and they've interacted with the other lawyers, and often that sets a baseline for now what the other lawyers or other sides' expectations are, and it can be pretty irreparable and tough to kind of move from, and then in some instances as well, the lawyers don't issue the claim on time. And unfortunately now, the claimant's only sort of recourse is really to go after that lawyer, which just isn't ideal, right? You want to be dealing with the insurance company or, or the proper defendant. You don't want to be suing, suing a lawyer because they missed the limitation. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a big headache. You end up getting uh, other different authorities involved, and it's just not something you want to deal with. You really want to make sure you're picking the right lawyer right at the outset, someone that is experienced and that you feel comfortable with, right? That's the way you got to look at it, guys. The uh, the way to call through, by the way, anytime to either Albert or Savannah or a member of their team. I give it all the time, one 855 There's also the option of mydisabilityquestions.com. And uh, just before, you know, maybe a couple final thoughts, uh, Savannah, before we get to our first break here. I know you got lots more coming up on the show today, right? Yeah, mydisabilityquestions.com. You just mentioned mm-hmm. that, John. I mean, yeah. that website has been in operation for years. And it's a, it's a fantastic way to get your questions answered if for whatever reason you don't feel like calling us or emailing us directly. I mean, you should. Again, we don't, we don't charge anything. There's no fee whatsoever, not a cent for speaking with you and giving you uh, our, our advice about your specific case. But if you don't want to do that, again, go to mydisabilityquestions.com. First of all, there, there are thousands of questions there, so you can scroll through them, you can search through them uh, by keywords, or you can post your own question. It doesn't have to be in your situation. Maybe you know someone who needs that help. Uh, you can point them to us or to that website, or, or go to mydisabilityrights.com. Um, uh, this is something that you know we're putting together. It's a work in progress. We uh, make sure to answer as many questions as come our way and give uh, as much information as possible to everyone out there. Again, it's about empowering people, John, to make sure that they understand what their rights are uh, and that the insurance companies can take advantage of them. 
We'll uh, take that short break, guys. Get right back to it. Lots more to cover here. John Scholes along with Savannah Tamarkin, our co-founding partner, and Albert Klein, a partner in the firm as well. As mentioned, one 855 And Savannah did just mention disabilityrights.ca and that TV show reference earlier in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the segment there. That's where you want to go to find your TV shows, disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner and his partner in crime, Albert Klein, also a, a partner in the firm. Guys doing brilliant work here every show. You want to reach out to the uh, the fellas anytime or a member of the team, one 821 5900 Also go to disabilityrights.ca and help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we pull the emails from. And uh, get a hold of these guys. Get the compensation you deserve. The firm that has successfully helped tens of thousands of Canadians across the country. You can Google the reviews as well. Uh, right back at it, Savannah. Take it away, pal. So, John, we were um, contacted this week as well by this uh, individual who has an employment law issue and uh, a potential issue with her LTD, with her long-term disability. And again, this comes up over and over and over. People who contact us because our firm has a dual expertise, dual specialty, employment law and long-term disability law. Not a lot of firms... Uh, you know, can say that, the, you know, they have that dual specialty. Many of them will say we do one or the other. Many of them will say we do both, but really they don't. They do one and then they dabble in the other. Very few firms actually have that expertise in both employment law and long-term disability law. And the problem is that when you go to uh, an employment lawyer, for example, let's say you're on long-term disability or you think you may need long-term disability coverage to apply for it, but you're having issues with your employer or you've been let go, and you go to an employment lawyer, you know, there is a risk there. And the risk is that the employment lawyer may not appreciate the overlap between those two areas of law and that whatever that lawyer may do for you on the employment side may affect the LTD side and vice versa, by the way. You may be in a situation where you have issues with your long-term disability insurer. You go to an LTD lawyer who doesn't necessarily understand the intricacies of employment law and the overlap and then that lawyer uh, may do something that may prejudice your employment situation. So in this case, with this person who contacted us, apparently the employment lawyer that's representing her said to her that her LTD, her long-term disability benefits, may be cut off if her employment claim is settled. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting thing to say because one of the things we've been saying on this show in various scenarios of this nature is that once you are on LTD, whatever may happen with your employment, let's say your employer lets you go, let's say your employer goes bankrupt, moves to a different jurisdiction, whatever, that should not affect your entitlement to LTD. It should not affect you continuing to get LTD. So why is it that this employment lawyer is saying that if the LT, if, if the employment matter is settled with the employer, then the LTD may be cut off? It raises a whole bunch of flags for me. I'm sure for you as well, Albert. And you know, I'll give you an example, John, as, as to something that may happen here. Sometimes, sometimes when you get long-term disability, it's not from an insurance company, but it's from your employer. 
you know, we've seen major corporations like uh, banks uh, and other entities that are the ones who are actually paying the long-term disability benefits. They may hire an insurance company to help them adjudicate the claim, right, to manage the claim because employers like that don't have expertise in disability claims, but they're the ones who are actually paying out the actual money, the LTD. And so let's say, for example, that's your scenario. Uh, it, let's say you work for a big bank, John, you're an LTD, uh, but it's really your employer, your bank, uh, the bank that's employing you, that's paying you LTD. And let's say that they've let you go or for whatever reason, the, you know, you need an employment lawyer and there's going to be a settlement with your employer. Well, I can see a situation where your employer, who is about to settle your employment matter, may also want to tie up the loose end of LTD because they're also paying LTD or potentially have to pay you LTD. And so how do you deal with that component? If you have an employment lawyer and that employment lawyer doesn't understand the interest, the intricacies of the overlap between the two, that employment lawyer may tell you, yeah, it's okay to go ahead and finalize the employment law claims. Right. And when you sign the final document, which is a full and final release, you may be releasing your employer from other benefits as well, LTD, health benefits, and other types of, of benefits you may have with the employer. So, you know, typically speaking, if you have an issue with your employer and you have an employment lawyer, you have to make sure that that employment lawyer understands the impact of any settlement there or any release you sign on your LTD case. Because guess what? If you're an LTD and your employer lets you go and they have to pay you severance and they pay you that severance, your LTD insurer may turn around and actually say, well, we're owed that severance under the policy. We're owed a credit. And so let's say you got twenty, thirty thousand dollars in severance, as an example, John. We, as the LTD insurer, are not going to pay you that in LTD benefits. Right. So, again, there's so many permutations. The point is, if you have an employment issue or you have an LTD issue or a mix of the two, you have to get advice. You must get advice from a lawyer or a law firm that has that dual specialty. If you don't, if you don't, you're at a risk of potentially prejudicing one or both claims because there is an overlap there. And 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 in fact, we've seen this. We've seen this quite a few times. Uh, and, and by the way, we often have seminars internally within our firm to make sure that all our lawyers, our employment lawyers, our LTD lawyers, our employment LTD hybrid lawyers, everyone is on the same page because there are just so many points of contact between the LTD practice and the employment practice. Albert, you've seen this as well, I'm, I'm sure, uh, in your practice where somebody uh, has come to you, they've had an employment issue, and now it's complicated, the LTD component, or vice versa. How do you deal with those kinds of situations? I mean, the best way to deal with those kinds of situations is to make sure that you're consulting someone from both an employment perspective and an LTD perspective anytime you're considering signing away any rights. So anytime you're about to pick up a pen and sign something, uh, potentially giving away any rights, you need to you, you need to know what you're signing away. And and I've seen many situations where employment lawyers and, and it's it's not really an off on employment lawyers. I mean, they're just not looking at it from an LTD perspective, but they should be. And 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 really, you should be consulting an LTD lawyer anytime you're potentially going to prejudice your LTD claim. And I've seen situations where someone has signed an employment deal, thinking they're getting this great deal. And then they actually sign away their LTD rights. And so because they've now signed this piece of paper, it becomes very, very difficult to now enforce their LTD rights. And often the insurer will turn to that piece of paper and say, we don't have to pay you because of this document you signed. And that can be a problem. And then also the situation that you described, Savannah, where 
where you think you get this large severance amount, but because of your LCD policy, it ends up just going to the insurer. So anytime you're on LCD and uh, you're consider- considering signing something in respect of your employment, you have to speak to an LCD lawyer. There's really no substitute. I mean, even even in this even in this situation, I mean, uh, either your lawyer is wrong, uh, because typically speaking, what ends up happening is once you get injured, your injury sort of crystallizes your LCD claim from the date of loss. So, in in that very sense, once you're injured, whether you pay your premiums or whether you have coverage up to date. As long as you had coverage at the time that you were actually injured, you still have an LTD claim, right? And so, e- even if you get fired, if you if you if you end your employment, as long as you don't sign anything which impacts that, you should still have an ongoing LTD claim. So it shouldn't impact your ability to continue to stay on LTD. However, Does it, if is, let me ask you, Albert or, or Savannah, is that that whole, you know, will they'll, they'll pick up part of your severance if you get it? Is that automatic? Is that in every policy? Is that a very common thing? Can you almost guarantee that's going to happen to you if you don't, you know, talk to you guys and, and you know, head it off of the past? So you mean if you're on LTD, uh, if, you're, if you're on LTD and receiving monthly benefits from the insurance company and then you also receive severance, are you going to have to pay that severance to the insurance company? Is that your yeah. question? Every time across the board, it's very common. It's 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 pretty common. I think insurers yeah. are getting a little bit more savvy these days, and including including provisions which allow them to do that. And and there's ways to structure the employment deal in a way that hopefully shields it from that. But but you need to speak to a to an LTD lawyer or someone who actually practices in that to try and help navigate how to best shield your employment claim. That could be a lot of money. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I mean, that would be uh, Savannah. That'd be pretty scary if that happened to somebody and they did not see that coming. I mean, th- that could be a huge loss for them, right? It would be. And one of the things that Albert talked about are these documents that you sign. And we do get occasionally people contacting us after listening to the show or watching the TV show and say, you know, I have a lawyer. I had a lawyer. I signed this final document, but I didn't really understand it. My lawyer didn't explain it to me, and I don't feel that I got what I deserved, and I want to undo it. And they tell me it was duress, or it was... They use a whole bunch of different uh, you know, words to describe why they signed the document. Look, a court will not overturn one of those releases except for exceptional circumstances. It's just not going to happen. Uh, in in most instances, so what that means is that if you sign, if you put pen to paper, as Albert said, and you don't understand what you're signing away, you potentially could be giving away or foregoing a lot of money. And we are seeing, as Albert said, more savvy insurers. Uh, they're inserting more clauses into these releases. I think that every time we now have Albert, these uh, you know our group meetings, uh, our, amongst our lawyers in all our offices, we spend a good chunk of time, almost on a weekly basis, talking about those new releases uh, or, or, or new provisions that these insurance companies are putting in there. There's clawback clauses. Uh, there's clauses that you know try to overreach in terms of how much you're giving away when you sign. Look, these insurance companies are there for themselves. They're there to protect their own interests, and I understand that. And so you need a lawyer that is going to be looking with an eagle eye uh, at those releases and not simply focus on the money. 
because you know you may end up getting whatever money in two different instances but in one instance you're giving away more rights than in the other instance so really the reality is you didn't get the same deal do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean you have to make sure you understand what you're signing you will not be able to overturn that document once you sign it, once it's given to the other side, once you get their money, once you deposit it. It's just not going to happen. A court's not going to allow that. So you have to be very, very careful. Is there any negotiation with that type of conduct? Yeah, no, they, they, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. there's negotiations. And again, Albert goes through it all the time. We go through it all yeah. the time. Where the insurance company, you know, we've, we've arrived at an agreement after prolonged negotiations on the money. Our client's happy. And then we're being presented with a release that's three, four, five pages long from the insurance company, and we're going through it. And Albert, you and I just this past week we went back and forth and, and amended some of the language that the, that the insurance company had uh, because they reinstated your client. So we wanted to be able to potentially right, use right. you know, this, this behavior by the insurance company in a future claim if the insurance company cuts them off again. And it is a negotiation. And then the, the concern is when you have a lawyer that does not care or doesn't have the knowledge uh-huh. necessary to be on guard. And they're not on guard for themselves. They should be on guard for you. They're representing you. They're protecting you, right? Well, and and insur- again, insurance company are more and more, they're doing this more and more. And, and we're seeing this. And if you're not paying attention, you will give away the farm. It, it 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 also it also usually doesn't make a difference to the employment lawyer as well, right? I mean, if if, right. if they're not looking at it from an LTD perspective, either way they get paid, right? And so whether whether or not the money goes uh, goes to you and then ends up going to the insurance company, they're still going to get paid. So it doesn't really make a difference to them. But you haven't really benefited in the situation where now you've paid a lawyer and then most of what you what you stood to gain from your severance. This goes directly to the insurance company. Who wants that? we got so much to cover in this topic and, and so many more. You want to reach out to Savan or Albert, you could do so. As we go to break, I'll give you the contact again. It's one 855 821 help at We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here. You want to contact either Savannah Tamark and our co-founding partner, Albert Klein, partner as well. Uh, confidentially, email help at disabilityrights.ca or that phone number, 1-855-821-5900. You can also go to disabilityrights.ca to get advice that you need and the compensation you deserve. And you'll find links to our long-running television show there as well, disabilityrights.ca. Okay, Savannah, over to you again. All right. So I, I want to give you a fact scenario here of a person who contacted us. And again, I won't say the name of the person. Uh, and I'll change a few of the facts slightly just so that nobody can recognize this person. We're very careful about that here. Uh, and I'm going to ask Albert for his thoughts because this is typical of what we normally get uh, in terms of people who have questions about their LTD claims. So this gentleman, he's 56 years old. He works as a shipper and receiver um, at a company. So it's a physical job. Um, he went on LTD back in mid 2018. So about three years ago, um, he suffers from spinal stenosis, neck pain, a whole bunch of other pains. His doctors confirmed that he should be off work. Now, remember he's been on LTD for three years. So over that two year mark that Albert's going to comment on, um, he got a, um, 
a, a payment uh, this July, this month, which was less than what he's entitled to. Uh, he has not been cut off yet, but here's the interesting thing. The insurance company wants him to take a course uh, to train him, to retrain him as a secretary, a sedentary type job, basically. They want him to go back to work. And we see this a lot, this whole thing about insurance companies trying to get people back to work, which is admirable, except that they often want to do it, you know, to their own benefit as opposed to the person's benefit. Remember what I said at the beginning. This person is 56 years old. He has been working for a while as a shipper receiver. Okay, so it's a physically demanding job. They now want, after three years of him being on LTD and being out of the workforce, they want him to get retrained uh, in some kind of a secretarial position. Albert, what are your thoughts about that? You must see these kinds of cases uh, coming your way. How would you deal with this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first things first. Insurance companies can't just decide they're not going to pay you uh, it, pay you the right amount. I mean, that, that's that's just not okay. Uh, and and insurance companies are bound by the same contract that you're bound by, right? And so if they're going to ask you to do things under the contract, they also have to uphold their end of the bargain, which is to pay you the monthly benefit. So I think really your responsibility sort of ends when they stop paying you, if they just decide, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to pay you, uh, and they want, they want you to go to an IME, they want you to go retrain, at least pay my client or pay, uh, pay, pay the claimant while, while you're expecting them to do that, right? I mean, you've agreed up until this point that they're incapable of working. What's the basis for cutting them off? They're still not retrained. So in that sense, there's a bit of a disconnect there that just doesn't really make sense. They're, they're, they're saying you need some retraining. They paid you up till today, which means they, they believe that you don't have the skill sets to hop into another position. So the fact that they're cutting you off makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and then otherwise, I mean, in terms, in terms, in terms of retraining, usually there are uh, some provisions which, which do suggest that there is an obligation to, to, to retrain and it uh, often the definition for any occupation or total disability under the any occupation test is that you're incapable of working for any position or job for which you're reasonably trained, educated, or suited for, or which you can be reasonably trained, educated, or suited for. And and because of that, uh, because of that, you you do have an obligation to actually retrain. In this sense, you have to consider whether or not you can or can't do the retraining. And if you can't do the retraining, you should definitely get some doctor support. I mean, retraining is often uh, the, the same sort of thing as being able to do a job. You're going to be required to do the same sorts of tasks. And if you can't do those tasks or if you feel like you can't work in any job, you need to get your doctors to support that. So what, what I would do is I would find out exactly, exactly the details of what that retraining is supposed to be. Find out when they're trying to send you to it, how long it's going to be, what, uh, what the sitting and standing requirements are going to be. And if you feel like you can't do that, get your doctors to support it. Go speak to your doctors about it. Get as many different doctors to endorse the fact that you can't participate in this training and send that to the insurance company. And, and, that's, and that's really the best way to fight this. It's, it's, it's very tough to say that you unilaterally can't do something unless you actually know the details. A lot of people say, no, I don't want to 
I don't want to participate in an IME or I don't want to participate in uh, retraining. The, re- the retraining might be five, five minutes a day, right? You don't know. Or, right. it, could, or it could wow. be 10 hours a day. And so at least having those details is going to equip you or put you in a better position to actually say you can or can't do it. Otherwise, it looks like you're just arbitrarily saying no. So that, and again, your doctor has the has the, the final say in all of this, correct, guys? I mean, if your doctor says no, he, you, he or she is not capable of doing this retraining right now, this is going to stop until further notice. They, they can do that, right, your medical team? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely they can. And in fact, that's, as Albert said, I mean, you should be going to them for, for this advice. Um, I, I think I think to take away from this, uh, your insurance company cannot and must not uh, force you to go back to work or get retrained if you are not ready. If you are ready, if you feel you're ready, your doctors feel you're ready, fantastic. But they cannot simply force you. But Albert's correct. It needs to be, you know, a, a nuanced analysis, which is why we tell people, feel free to reach out to us and we can have that conversation with you. Uh, we have these conversations with people literally every single day across the country, John, because no case, no two cases are the same. People are different. Their injuries are different. Their illnesses are different. Their LTD policies may be different. The way the insurance companies are dealing with them may be slightly different. There's no one size fits all. And by the way, that memo, remember I said at the beginning of the show that we have these memos, frequently asked questions that are on our website and we also send people if they want. There is one about being forced or pressured to return back to work before you're ready. Again, frequently asked questions. We have those on our website. Uh, You can simply download that or call us or email us and we'll send that to you. It's free of charge. Short break, guys. Lots more to go. We'll uh, we'll get back to it after that uh, break. So let's get that over with disabilityrights.ca. That's the website uh, Savannah's uh, referring to, disabilityrights.ca, including to memos, questions, knowledge. There's also links to our long-running TV show as well, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we use. And for free uh, questions and answers, completely anonymous. And it's also got a searchable database, which is excellent, My Disability questions.com will continue disability law show here on global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto Hey, welcome back. Disability Law Show, Savan Tamarkin, of course, on the show, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, along with Albert Klein, also a partner, and doing the show each week, answering tons of questions. They go through your emails. They go to mydisabilityquestions.com. They answer those questions as well. Both those avenues are open and available for you. Help at disabilityrights.ca and 1-855-821-5900. And if you're on the old Google today, you can uh, search and find out that they are the most positively reviewed disability law firm in this country that is a heck of a badge so you can check that out as well okay we got a few minutes to go Savannah. take it away you know you got a few things you want to uh, want to cover off yeah i want to cover a bunch of questions that have been post, uh, posted to mydisabilityquestions.com and these are common questions again so let me just go through them uh one of them is from uh, paul in brampton he says according to my disability contract i'm entitled to a yearly cost of living increase uh every year after 12 months uh, no mention of it from my insurer. There's no increase. What do I do to get them to increase my monthly payments? Uh, so, so what he's talking about here, John, is that some policies uh, contain a provision that 
um, essentially means that on a yearly basis, you're going to have an increase in the amount of LTD payments you're getting paid, and it's calculated in a certain way. There's a formula for it. It's, it's a basically a cost of living uh, allowance or increase. If it's in your policy, you should be getting it. If you're not getting it, contact your adjuster and tell your adjuster that you should be getting it and ask them why you have not been getting it. And if the answer doesn't make any sense to you, reach out to us. Because if the insurance company is obligated to pay you that, and uh, if, you know, at the end of the day, they're not paying it to you, there is a breach of contract here, right? They've right. breached the provision, and so you can do something about that. So that's one thing. Another question that came in, I'm just going to fire through these, John, because we have quite a few of them. Another one mm -hmm. of them that just came in. Uh, they're saying, good afternoon. As of January 28, 2019, I have been on long-term disability. So beginning of last year. When it comes to my insurance premiums, it, is it my employer's responsibility to, to, to pay for the premiums? I have been paying them all along since being on long-term disability. Um, this person, by the way, uh, contacted us uh, because her mother uh, referred her to, uh, to the show and to the website. So that's great uh, you know, to see that people let other people know about these resources. So to answer the question about insurance premiums, most LTD policies, in fact, all the ones that I have seen, contain a provision called a waiver of premium provision. And what that means is that once you get accepted into LTD, typically the insurance company says, you don't have to pay premiums now, right? Think about that. The insurance company has now, been, the, the policy has been triggered. They now have to pay you these benefits. Uh, and, and so part of that process is you not having to pay premiums while you are on LTD. Now, in a situation like this here, I have no idea if this person who posted the question, if they have that kind of provision in their policy, so they should be checking with their adjuster, they should be checking their own policy, right? You can ask your insurance company for a copy of your policy, but you can also ask your adjuster, does my policy contain a waiver of premium provision? Because if it does, again, you should not be paying those premiums while you are on disability. And for whatever reason, if the insurance policy does not contain such a provision, uh, well, then you're going to have to pay for it or whoever has been paying for it is going to have to continue paying for it. If it was your employer and they're not paying for it now, well, then there is an employment issue potentially here. And again, it's something that we can help with. So again, uh, we, we don't see those, uh, those kinds of issues come up uh, regularly, uh, but they do come from time to time about uh, waiver of premiums. Um, John, I want to go into a question that was posted here and I want to get Albert's thoughts on this. This is actually quite interesting. It's it's a unique scenario. It comes from Chad in um, somewhere in BC. So he writes as follows: I've been on long-term disability for about three years now, and I've had uh, definite hurdles with this insurance company. My question is this: I went out myself and got an independent medical assessment done on me, uh, which I paid for and submitted to my insurance company. My long-term disability was approved for an additional four months after that. Now, a few months later, they're saying that they want me to do an independent medical evaluation with one of their doctors. Why do I have to do two of those? I did one of my own and I paid for it myself. Uh, then he writes, my guess is that they want someone that they know will put my assessment in their favor. Anyways, just wondering what your thoughts are and if I can say that I will not be attending the assessment that they have scheduled. Albert, I don't know about you, but it's very rare for me to see someone who says, I have paid for my own independent medical assessment. 
it brings up a whole bunch of issues. But what do you think about the scenario here? I mean, the reality is the insurance company does have a right to have you assessed, and they do have a right to make their own sort of determination as to whether or not you meet the test for disability or not. So they do have a right to send you to someone unless it's medically or medically contraindicated or there's some medical reason that you shouldn't be attending. And if there is, definitely you want to address that with your doctor and and provide the insurance company some basis for why you shouldn't medically attend. But otherwise, if you're medically able to attend, they have a right to send you to it. And uh, probably what I'd do is I would speak to an LTD lawyer. I'm happy to speak with you if you like and fully prepare you for what, what you can expect. Sometimes these assessments are a little bit different when they're coming from an insurer as opposed to one that you're paying for uh, because they're going to be very pointed questions, right? I, I mean, you kind of hit the uh, hit the hammer on the head there, uh, or the nail on the head, sorry, but uh, uh, with, with the fact that ultimately they want someone who's going to uh, provide them with an opinion in their favor. And usually they're doing that because they want to cut you off. There's, there's a, that's the only reason that they're actually going to spend money on this. So at least being prepared and how to field these questions, what you can expect, uh, what sort of things you should be writing down uh, afterwards, what things you shouldn't sign is going to at least put you in a better position to uh, to actually go to this assessment and deal with it properly and, and make sure that you're not backing yourself into a corner. Then otherwise, I would, I would make sure that you ask for a copy of the uh, examiner's report right after right as soon as the insurance company gets it, give it to your doctor, uh, tell your doctor in advance that you are going to this assessment and have your doctor sort of undermine that report. And that's really the best way that you can attack it. But unfortunately, I do think that you should go. By the way, John, as an aside, I would not recommend for people to go and pay for an assessment Assessment? on themselves. It doesn't do much for you because all you've done now is create a situation where you've hired someone that potentially has an interest in helping you as opposed to going to a treating doctor, right? We always talk about the fact that when you pit the treating physicians or medical professionals or health professionals against the insurance company's hired guns, quote-unquote, there is more credibility with the individuals who are treating you. Well, if you went out on your own and got your own assessment that you've paid for, how is that any different than the insurance company's assessor that they've paid for, right? They cancel each other out. So go to whoever's treating you. If you need a referral to a specialist, get that from your own primary care physician. And and that's how you go about this. It's not going to help you, in my opinion, to go and get an independent medical evaluation of yourself. I think at the end of the day, if anything, it could trigger red flags for the insurance company. By the way, one more thing just before we, we close off here. This person has been on LTD for three years. That means that if he has a standard LTD policy, where at a two-year mark there is a change of definition of total disability, it means the insurance company has already recognized, in this case, that he's totally disabled from uh, performing the essential tasks of any occupation for which he's suited for. So my point is it should be even more difficult for the insurance company here to cut him off. But if I'm the insurance company and I'm seeing somebody who went out on their own and hired someone to assess them, something is very strange here. So, so be careful of doing these kinds of things as well, because you actually could be putting, uh, you know, a, a attention on yourself. You could be drawing attention from the insurance company, and and that's not going to bode well, as is happening in this case. 
And that's the way we're going to leave it for another show. Appreciate you uh, emailing in and going to mydisabilityquestions.com with all your questions. Love answering them every week as we uh, close off here. You want to reach out to Savannah Tamarkin or Albert Klein, that is no problem. Again, the numbers, we give it out uh, all through the show, one 855 You can seek some help at help at disabilityrights.ca and, of course, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.